chapter four of recollections and letters of general robert e lee by robert e lee jr this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four army life of robert the younger volunteer in rockridge artillery four years with general lee quoted meetings between father and son personal characteristics of the general death of his daughter annie his son robert raised from the ranks the horses grace darling and traveller fredericksburg freeing slaves like all the students at the university i was wild to go into the army and wrote my father that i was afraid the war would be over before i had a chance to serve his reply was that i need have no fear of that contingency that i must study hard and fit myself to be useful to my country when i was old enough to be of real service to her so very properly i was not allowed to have my wish then in a letter to my mother written april sixty one he says i wrote to robert that i could not consent to take boys from their schools and young men from their colleges and put them in the ranks at the beginning of a war when they are not wanted and when there were men enough for that purpose the war may last ten years where are our ranks to be filled from then i was willing for his company to continue at their studies to keep up its organization and to perfect themselves in their military exercises and to perform duty at the college but not to be called into the field i therefore wished him to remain if the exercises at the college are suspended he can then come home but in the spring of sixty two he allowed me to volunteer and i having selected the company i wished to join the rock ridge artillery he gave his approval and wrote me to come to richmond where he would give me my outfit he was just as sweet and loving to me then as in the old days i had seen so little of him during the last six years that i stood somewhat in awe of him i soon found however that i had no cause for such a feeling he took great pains in getting what was necessary for me the baggage of a private in a confederate battery was not extensive how little was needed my father even at that time did not know for though he was very careful in providing me with the least amount he thought necessary i soon found by experience that he had given me a great deal too much it was characteristic of his consideration for others and the unselfishness of his nature that at this time when weighed down harassed and burdened by the cares incident to bringing the untrained forces of the confederacy into the field and preparing them for a struggle the seriousness of which he knew better than any one he should give his time and attention to the minute details of fitting out his youngest son as a private soldier i think it worthy of note that the son of the commanding general enlisting as a private in his army was not thought to be anything remarkable or unusual neither my mother my family my friends nor myself expected any other course and i do not suppose it ever occurred to my father to think of giving me an office which he could easily have done i know it never occurred to me nor did i ever hear at that time or afterwards from any one that i might have been entitled to better rank than that of a private because of my father's prominence in virginia and in the confederacy with the good advice to be obedient to all authority to do my duty in everything great or small he bade me good-bye and sent me off to the valley of virginia where the command in which i was about to enlist were serving under stonewall jackson of my father's military duties at this time colonel taylor in his four years with general lee says 
exercising a constant supervision over the condition of affairs at each important point thoroughly informed as to the resources and necessities of the several commanders of armies in the field as well as of the dangers which respectively threatened them he was enabled to give them wise counsel to offer them valuable suggestions and to respond to their demands for assistance and support to such extent as the limited resources of the government would permit it was in great measure due to his advice and encouragement that general magruder so stoutly and so gallantly held his lines on the peninsula against general mcclellan until troops could be sent to his relief from general johnston's army i recollect a telegraphic dispatch received by general lee from general magruder in which he stated that a council of war which he had convened had unanimously determined that his army should retreat in reply to which general lee urged him to maintain his lines and to make as bold a front as possible and encouraged him with the prospect of being early reinforced no better illustration of the nature and importance of the duty performed by general lee while in this position can be given than the following letter one of a number of similar import written by him to general jackson the rough or original draft of which is still in my possession headquarters richmond virginia april twenty ninth eighteen sixty two major general t j jackson commanding etc swift run gap virginia general i have had the honor to receive your letter of yesterday's date from the reports that reach me that are entitled to credit the force of the enemy opposite fredericksburg is represented as too large to admit of any diminution whatever of our army in that vicinity at present as it might not only invite an attack on richmond but jeopardize the safety of the army in the peninsula i regret therefore that your request to have five thousand men sent from that army to reinforce you cannot be complied with can you not draw enough from the command of general edward johnson to warrant you in attacking banks the last return received from that army show a present force of upward of thirty five hundred which it is hoped has since increased by recruits and returned furloughs as he does not appear to be pressed it is suggested that a portion of his force might be temporarily removed from its present position and made available for the movement in question a decisive and successful blow at bank's column would be fraught with the happiest results and i deeply regret my inability to send you the reinforcements you ask if however you think the combined forces of generals ewell and johnson with your own inadequate for the move general ewell might with the assistance of general anderson's army near fredericksburg strike at mcdowell's army between that city and Achaia, with much promise of success provided you feel sufficiently strong alone to hold banks in check very truly yours r e lee the reader will observe that this letter bears the date april twenty ninth eighteen sixty two on may fifth or sixth general jackson formed a junction between his own command and that of general edward johnson on may eighth he defeated milroy at mcdowell soon thereafter the command of general ewell was united to that already under jackson and on the twenty fifth of the same month banks was defeated and put to flight 
other incidents might be cited to illustrate this branch of the important service rendered at this period by general lee the line of the earthworks around the city of richmond and other preparations for resisting an attack testified to the immense care and labor bestowed upon the defense of the capital so seriously threatened by the army of general mcclellan on may thirty first the battle of seven pines was fought and general joseph e johnston commanding the confederate army was severely wounded the next day by order of the president general lee took command of the army of northern virginia the day after the battle of cold harbor during the seven days fighting around richmond was the first time i met my father after i had joined general jackson the tremendous work stonewall's men had performed including the rapid march from the valley of virginia the short rations the bad water and the great heat had begun to tell upon us and i was pretty well worn out on this particular morning my battery had not moved from its bivouac ground of the previous night but was parked in an open field already waiting orders most of the men were lying down many sleeping myself among the latter number to get some shade and to be out of the way i had crawled under a caisson and was busy making up many lost hours of rest suddenly i was rudely awakened by a comrade prodding me with a sponge-staff as i had failed to be aroused by his call and was told to get up and come out that some one wished to see me half awake i staggered out and found myself face to face with general lee and his staff their fresh uniforms bright equipments and well-groomed horses contrasted so forcibly with the war-worn appearance of our command that i was completely dazed it took me a moment or two to realize what it all meant but when i saw my father's loving eyes and smile it became clear to me that he had ridden by to see if i was safe and to ask how i was getting along i remember well how curiously those with him gazed at me and i am sure that it must have struck them as very odd that such a dirty ragged unkempt youth could have been the son of this grand-looking victorious commander i was introduced recently to a gentleman now living in washington who when he found out my name said he had met me once before and that it was on this occasion at that time he was a member of the tenth virginia infantry jackson's division and was camped near our battery seeing general lee and staff approach he with others drew near to have a look at them and thus witnessed the meeting between father and son he also said that he had often told of this incident as illustrating the peculiar composition of our army after mcclellan's change of base to harrison's landing on james river the army lay inactive around richmond i had a short furlough on account of sickness and saw my father also my mother and sisters who were then living in richmond he was the same loving father to us all as kind and thoughtful of my mother who was an invalid and of us his children as if our comfort and happiness were all he had to care for his great victory did not elate him so far as one could see in a letter of july ninth to my mother he says i have returned to my old quarters and am filled with gratitude to our heavenly father for all the mercies he has extended to us our success has not been so great or complete as we could have desired but god knows what is best for us our enemy met with a heavy loss from which it must take him some time to recover before he can recommence his operations 
the hon alexander h stevens vice-president of the confederate states says of general lee what i had seen general lee to be at first childlike in simplicity and unselfish in his character he remained unspoiled by praise and by success he was the same in victory or defeat always calm and contained jackson having had a short rest was now moved up to gordonsville i rejoined my command and went with him supplied with new clothes and a fresh stock of health in a letter to his three daughters who were in north carolina dated richmond july eighteen eighteen sixty two he writes describing my condition rob came out to see me one afternoon he had been much worn down by his marching and fighting and had gone to his mamma to get a little rest he was thin but well but not being able to get a clean shirt has not got to see miss norval he has rejoined his company and gone off with general jackson as good as new again i hope inasmuch as your mother thought by means of a bath and a profusion of soap she had cleansed the outward man considerably and replenished his lost wardrobe from gordonsville we were moved on to orange county and then commenced that series of manoeuvres by the army of northern virginia beginning with the battle of cedar mountain and ending with second manassas when i again saw my father he rode at the head of longstreet's men on the field of manassas and we of jackson's corps hard pressed for two days welcomed him and the divisions which followed him with great cheers two rifle-guns from our battery had been detached and sent to join longstreet's advanced artillery under general stephen d lee moving into action on our right i was number one at one of these guns we advanced rapidly from hill to hill firing as fast as we could trying to keep ahead of our gallant comrades just arrived as we were ordered to cease firing from the last position we took and the breathless cannoneers were leaning on their guns general lee and staff galloped up and from this point of vantage scanned the movements of the enemy and of our forces the general reined in traveller close by my gun not fifteen feet from me i looked at them all some few minutes and then went up and spoke to captain mason of the staff who had not the slightest idea who i was when he found me out he was greatly amused and introduced me to several others whom i already knew my appearance was even less prepossessing than when i had met my father at cold harbor for i had been marching night and day for four days with no opportunity to wash myself or my clothes my face and hands were blackened with powder sweat and the few garments i had on were ragged and stained with the red soil of that section when the general after a moment or two dropped his glass to his side he turned to his staff captain mason said general here is someone who wants to speak to you the general seeing a much begrimed artilleryman sponge staff in hand said well my man what can i do for you i replied why general don't you know me and he of course at once recognized me and was very much amused at my appearance and most glad to see that i was safe and well we of the ranks used to have our opinions on all subjects the armies their generals and their manoeuvres were freely discussed if there was one point on which the entire army was unanimous 
i speak of the rank and file it was that we were not in the least afraid of general pope but were perfectly sure of whipping him whenever we could meet him the passages i quote here from two of general lee's letters indicate that this feeling may possibly have extended to our officers in a letter to my mother from near richmond dated july twenty eighth eighteen sixty two he says when you write to rob tell him to catch pope for me and also bring in his cousin lewis marshall who i am told is on his staff i could forgive the latter's fighting against us but not his joining pope and again johnny lee footnote his nephew end note saw lewis marshall after jackson's last battle who asked him kindly after his old uncle and said his mother was well johnny said lewis looked wretched himself i am sorry he is in such bad company but i suppose he could not help it as one of the army of northern virginia i occasionally saw the commander-in-chief on the march or passed the headquarters close enough to recognize him and members of his staff but a private soldier in jackson's corps did not have much time during that campaign for visiting and until the battle of sharpsburg i had no opportunity of speaking to him on that occasion our battery had been severely handled losing many men and horses having three guns disabled we were ordered to withdraw and while moving back we passed general lee and several of his staff grouped on a little knoll near the road having no definite orders where to go our captain seeing the commanding general halted us and rode over to get some instructions some others and myself went along to see and hear general lee was dismounted with some of his staff around him a courier holding his horse captain pogue commanding our battery the rock ridge artillery saluted reported our condition and asked for instructions the general listening patiently looked at us his eyes passing over me without any sign of recognition and then ordered captain pogue to take the most serviceable horses and men man the uninjured gun send the disabled part of his command back to refit and report to the front for duty as pogue turned to go i went up to speak to my father when he found out who i was he congratulated me on being well and unhurt i then said general are you going to send us in again yes my son he replied with a smile you all must do what you can to help drive these people back this meeting between general lee and his son has been told very often and in many different ways but the above is what i remember of the circumstances he was much on foot during this part of the campaign and moved about either in an ambulance or on horseback with a courier leading his horse the accident which temporarily disabled him happened before he left virginia he had dismounted and was sitting on a fallen log with the bridle reins hung over his arm traveller becoming frightened at something suddenly dashed away threw him violently to the ground spraining both hands and breaking a small bone in one of them a letter written some weeks afterward to my mother alludes to this meeting with his son and to the condition of his hands i have not laid eyes on rob since i saw him in the battle of sharpsburg going in with a single gun of his for the second time after his company had been withdrawn in consequence of three of its guns having been disabled custis has seen him and says he is very well and apparently happy and content my hands are improving slowly and with my left hand i am able to dress and undress myself which is a great comfort 
my right is becoming of some assistance too though it is still swollen and sometimes painful the bandages have been removed i am now able to sign my name it has been six weeks to-day since i was injured and i have at last discarded the sling after the army recrossed the potomac into virginia we were camped for some time in the vicinity of winchester one beautiful afternoon in october a courier from headquarters rode up to our camp found me out and handed me a note from my father it told me of the death of my sister annie as i have lost this letter to me i quote from one to my mother about the same time it was dated october twenty sixth eighteen sixty two i cannot express the anguish i feel at the death of our sweet annie to know that i shall never see her again on earth that her place in our circle which i always hoped one day to enjoy is forever vacant is agonizing in the extreme but god in this as in all things has mingled mercy with the blow in selecting that one best prepared to leave us may you be able to join me in saying his will be done i know how much you will grieve and how much she will be mourned i wish i could give you any comfort but beyond our hope in the great mercy of god and the belief that he takes her at the time and place when it is best for her to go there is none may that same mercy be extended to us all and may we be prepared for his summons in a letter to my sister mary one month later from camp near fredericksburg the death of my dear annie was indeed to me a bitter pang but the lord gave and the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord in the quiet hours of the night when there is nothing to lighten the full weight of my grief i feel as if i should be overwhelmed i have always counted if god should spare me a few days after this civil war was ended that i should have her with me but year after year my hopes go out and i must be resigned to his daughter whose loss grieved him so he was specially devoted she died in north carolina at the warren white sulphur springs at the close of the war the citizens of the county erected over her grave a handsome monument general lee was invited to be present at the ceremonies of the unveiling in his reply he says i have always cherished the intention of visiting the tomb of her who never gave me aught but pleasure though absent in person my heart will be with you and my sorrow and devotions will be mingled with yours i enclose according to your request the date of my daughter's birth and the inscription proposed for the monument over her tomb the latter are the last lines of the hymn which she asked for just before her death a visitor to her grave some years after the war thus describes it in the beautiful and quiet graveyard near the springs a plain shaft of native granite marks the grave of this beloved daughter on one side is cut in the stone annie c lee daughter of general r e lee and mary c lee and on the opposite born at arlington june eighteenth eighteen thirty nine and died at white sulphur springs warren county north carolina october twenty eighteen sixty two on another side are the lines selected by her father perfect and true are all his ways whom heaven adores and earth obeys that autumn i was offered the position of lieutenant and a d c on the staff of my brother w h f lee just promoted from the colonelcy of the ninth virginia cavalry to the command of a brigade in the same arm of the service 
my father had told me when i joined the army to do my whole duty faithfully not to be rash about volunteering for any service out of my regular line and always to accept promotion after consulting him it was decided that i should take the position offered and he presented me with a horse and one of his swords my promotion necessitated my having an honourable discharge as a private from the ranks and this i obtained in the proper way from general stonewall jackson commanding the corps of which my company was a part and was thus introduced for the first time to that remarkable man having served in his command since my enlistment i had been seeing him daily old jack at a distance was as familiar to me as one of the battery guns but i had never met him and felt much awe at being ushered into his presence this feeling however was groundless for he was seemingly so much embarrassed by the interview that i really felt sorry for him before he dismissed me with my discharge papers properly made out and signed i had received a letter from my father telling me to come to him as soon as i had gotten my discharge from my company so i proceeded at once to his headquarters which were situated near orange court house on a wooded hill just east of the village i found there the horse which he gave me she was a daughter of his mare grace darling and though not so handsome as her mother she inherited many of her good qualities and carried me well until the end of the war and for thirteen years afterward she was four years old a solid bay and never failed me a single day during three years hard work the general was on the point of moving his headquarters down to fredericksburg some of the army having already gone forward to that city i think the camp was struck the day after i arrived and as the general's hands were not yet entirely well he allowed me as a great favor to ride his horse traveller among the soldiers this horse was as well known as was his master he was a handsome iron-gray with black points mane and tail very dark sixteen hands high and five years old he was born near the white sulphur springs west virginia and attracted the notice of my father when he was in that part of the state in eighteen sixty one he was never known to tire and though quiet and sensible in general and afraid of nothing yet if not regularly exercised he fretted a great deal especially in a crowd of horses but there can be no better description of this famous horse than the one given by his master it was dictated to his daughter agnes at lexington virginia after the war in response to some artist who had asked for a description and was corrected in his own handwriting if i were an artist like you i would draw a true picture of traveller representing his fine proportions muscular figure deep chest and short back strong haunches flat legs small head broad forehead delicate ears quick eye small feet and black mane and tail such a picture would inspire a poet whose genius could then depict his worth and describe his endurance of toil hunger thirst heat cold and the dangers and sufferings through which he passed he could dilate upon his sagacity and affection and his invariable response to every wish of his writer he might even imagine his thoughts through the long night marches and days of battle through which he has passed but i am no artist i can only say he is a confederate gray i purchased him in the mountains of virginia in the autumn of eighteen sixty one and he has been my patient follower ever since to georgia the carolinas and back to virginia 
he carried me through the seven days battle around richmond the second manassas at sharpsburg fredericksburg the last day at chancellorsville to pennsylvania at gettysburg and back to the rappahannock from the commencement of the campaign in eighteen sixty four at orange till its close around petersburg the saddle was scarcely off his back as he passed through the fire of the wilderness spotsylvania cold harbor and across the james river he was almost in daily requisition in the winter of eighteen sixty four sixty five on the long line of defences from chickahominy north of richmond to hatcher's run south of the appomattox in the campaign of eighteen sixty five he bore me from petersburg to the final days at appomattox courthouse you must know the comfort he is to me in my present retirement he is well supplied with equipments two sets have been sent to him from england one from the ladies of baltimore and one was made for him in richmond but i think his favorite is the american saddle from st louis of all his companions in toil richmond brown roan ajax and quiet lucy long he is the only one that retained his vigor the first two expired under their onerous burden and the last two failed you can i am sure from what i have said paint his portrait the general had the strongest affection for traveller which he showed on all occasions and his allowing me to ride him on this long march was a great compliment possibly he wanted to give me a good hammering before he turned me over to the cavalry during my soldier life so far i had been on foot having backed nothing more lively than a tired artillery horse so i mounted with some misgivings though i was very proud of my steed my misgivings were fully realized for traveller would not walk a step he took a short high trot a buck trot as compared with a buck jump and kept it up to fredericksburg some thirty miles though young strong and tough i was glad when the journey ended this was my first introduction to the cavalry service i think i am safe in saying that i could have walked the distance with much less discomfort and fatigue my father having thus given me a horse and presented me with one of his swords also supplied my purse so that i could get myself an outfit suitable to my new position and he sent me on to join my command stationed not far away on the rappahannock southward from fredericksburg as an officer in the cavalry on the staff i had more frequent opportunities of seeing my father than as a private in the artillery in the course of duty i was sometimes sent to him to report the condition of affairs at the front or on the flank of the army and i also occasionally paid him a visit at these times he would take me into his tent talk to me about my mother and sisters about my horse and myself or the people and the country where my command happened to be stationed i think my presence was very grateful to him and he seemed to brighten up when i came i remember he always took it as a matter of course that i must be hungry and i was for three years so he invariably made his mess steward brian give me something to eat if i did not have time to wait for the regular meal his headquarters at this time just before the battle of fredericksburg and after were at a point on the road between fredericksburg and hamilton's crossing selected on account of its accessibility 
notwithstanding there was near by a good house vacant he lived in his tents his quarters were very unpretentious consisting of three or four wall tents and several more common ones they were pitched on the edge of an old pine field near a grove of forest trees from which he drew his supply of firewood while the pines helped to shelter his tents and horses from the cold winds though from the outside they were rather dismal especially through the dreary winter time within they were cheerful and the surroundings as neat and comfortable as possible under the circumstances on november twenty fourth eighteen sixty two in a letter to his daughter mary he writes general burnside's whole army is apparently opposite fredericksburg and stretches from the rappahannock to the potomac what his intentions are he has not yet disclosed i am sorry he is in position to oppress our friends and citizens of the northern neck he threatens to bombard fredericksburg and the noble spirit displayed by its citizens particularly the women and children has elicited my highest admiration they have been abandoning their homes night and day during all this inclement weather cheerfully and uncomplainingly with only such assistance as our wagons and ambulances could afford women girls children trudging through the mud and bivouacking in the open fields how the battle of fredericksburg was fought and won all the world has heard and i shall not attempt to describe it on december eleventh the day burnside commenced his attack general lee wrote to my mother the enemy after bombarding the town of fredericksburg setting fire to many houses and knocking down nearly all those along the river crossed over a large force about dark and now occupies the town we hold the hills commanding it and hope we shall be able to damage him yet his position and heavy guns command the town entirely on december sixteenth in another letter to my mother he tells of the recrossing of the federals i had supposed they were just preparing for battle and was saving our men for the conflict their hosts crown the hill and plain beyond the river and their numbers to me are unknown still i felt the confidence we could stand the shock and was anxious for the blow that is to fall on some point and was prepared to meet it here yesterday evening i had my suspicions that they might return during the night but could not believe they would relinquish their hopes after all their boasting and preparation and when i say that the latter is equal to the former you will have some idea of the magnitude this morning they were all safe on the north side of the rappahannock they went as they came in the night they suffered heavily as far as the battle went but it did not go far enough to satisfy me our loss was comparatively slight and i think will not exceed two thousand the contest will have now to be renewed but on what field i cannot say i did not see my father at any time during the fighting some days after it was all over i saw him as calm and composed as if nothing unusual had happened and he never referred to his great victory except to deplore the loss of his brave officers and soldiers or the sufferings of the sick and wounded he repeatedly referred to the hardships so bravely endured by the inhabitants of fredericksburg who had been obliged to flee from the town the women and children the old and the feeble whose sufferings cut him to the heart on christmas day he writes to his youngest daughter mildred who was at school in north carolina i cannot tell you how i long to see you when a little quiet occurs my thoughts revert to you your sisters and your mother my heart aches for our reunion 
your brothers i see occasionally this morning fitzhugh rode by with his young aide-de-camp rob at the head of his brigade on his way up the rappahannock you must study hard gain knowledge and learn your duty to god and your neighbor that is the great object of life i have no news confined constantly to camp and my thoughts occupied with its necessities and duties i am however happy in the knowledge that general burnside and army will not eat their promised christmas dinner in richmond to-day on the next day he writes as follows to his daughter agnes who was with her mother in richmond camp fredericksburg december twenty sixth eighteen sixty two my precious little agnes i have not heard of you for a long time i wish you were with me for always solitary i am sometimes weary and long for the reunion of my family once again but i will not speak of myself but of you i have seen the ladies in this vicinity only when flying from the enemy and it caused me acute grief to witness their exposure and suffering but a more noble spirit was never displayed anywhere the faces of old and young were wreathed with smiles and glowed with happiness at their sacrifices for the good of their country many have lost everything what the fire and shells of the enemy spared their pillagers destroyed but god will shelter them i know so much heroism will not be unregarded i can only hold oral communication with your sisters footnote his daughter mary in king george county with the lines of the enemy End note. and have forbidden the scouts to bring any writing and have taken back some that i had given them for her if caught it would compromise them they only convey messages i learn in that way she is well your devoted father r e lee i give another letter he wrote on christmas day besides the one quoted above to his daughter mildred it was written to his wife and is interesting as giving an insight into his private feelings and views regarding this great victory i will commence this holy day by writing to you my heart is filled with gratitude to almighty god for his unspeakable mercies with which he has blessed us in this day for those he has granted us from the beginning of life and particularly for those he has vouchsafed us during the past year what should have become of us without his crowning help and protection oh if our people would only recognize it and cease from vain self-boasting and adulation how strong would be my belief in final success and happiness to our country but what a cruel thing is war to separate and destroy families and friends and mar the purest joys and happiness god has granted us in this world to fill our hearts with hatred instead of love for our neighbors and to devastate the fair face of this beautiful world i pray that on this day when only peace and good will are preached to mankind better thoughts may fill the hearts of our enemies and turn them to peace our army was never in such good health and condition since i have been attached to it i believe they share with me my disappointment that the enemy did not renew the combat on the thirteenth i was holding back all day and husbanding our strength and ammunition for the great struggle for which i thought i was preparing had i divined that was to have been his only effort he would have had more of it my heart bleeds at the death of every one of our gallant men 
one marked characteristic of my father was his habit of attending to all business matters promptly he was never idle and what he had to do he performed with care and precision mr custis my grandfather had made him executor of his will wherein it was directed that all the slaves belonging to the estate should be set free after the expiration of so many years the time had now arrived and notwithstanding the exacting duties of his position the care of his suffering soldiers and his anxiety about their future immediate and distant he proceeded according to the law of the land to carry out the provisions of the will and had delivered to every one of the servants where it was possible their manumission papers from his letters written at this time i give a few extracts bearing on this subject as regards the liberation of the people i wish to progress in it as far as i can those hired in richmond can still find employment there if they choose those in the country can do the same or remain on the farms i hope they will all do well and behave themselves i should like if i could to attend to their wants and see them placed to the best advantage but that is impossible all that choose can leave the state before the war closes i executed the deed of manumission sent me by mr caskey and returned it to him i perceived that john sawyer and james's names among the arlington people had been omitted and i inserted them i fear there are others among the white house lot which i did not discover as to the attacks of the northern papers i do not mind them and do not think it wise to make the publication you suggest if all the names of the people at arlington and on the pamunkey are not embraced in this deed i have executed i should like a supplementary deed to be drawn up containing all those omitted they are entitled to their freedom and i wish to give it to them those that have been carried away i hope are free and happy i cannot get their papers to them and they do not require them i will give them if they ever call for them it will be useless to ask their restitution to manumit them End of chapter four